Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast, a podcast for witches who are cultured like a bacteria. <laughs> so today, today's episode, we're talking about Cinderella because we're continuing along the series that Chris made up, which was something along the lines of um, occult stuff within like Disney and that series <laughs> and we're going to be talking about the disney version of cinderella and we're going to mix some occultism and magic in with it so i suppose you need to explain first of all what this old story one of the most ancient stories is it older than jesus this cinderella thing <laughs> over to you chris <laughs> literally you and your setups just get more and more convoluted as they go on intros not setups chris intros setups they are setups right i suppose we start with the kind of disney story don't we and then we move back from that yeah that's what i said that's not what you said but that's what we'll do um right so everyone i'm sure has seen cinderella or some version of it and i'm pretty sure disney have made like two more versions that just went straight to dvd or whatever it was because they were too crap for uh, actual release anyway so cinderella is about a um a girl whose a daddy wench. dies a cinder, a cinder wench. wench that's what the name who's, is originally yeah, who's... sorry i won't to... i won't interrupt anymore <laughs> So it's so professional here at No Holds Barred, totally. Um, right, yes, Cinder Wench um, was a, 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 a maiden whose daddy died and therefore was left with <laughs> her step stepmother and her two daughters, ugly sisters. Stepmonster. Who were... Uh, who treated her appallingly. And then one day, a uh, prince decides he needs a bird. So um, there's an outward call for a big party at the palace where all the eligible women in the land get the chance to uh, try and woo him. Um, She manages to do it even though they try to stop her. Uh, That is the uh, ugly sisters. Um, She goes, loses her shoe because he's an idiot um and then he uses the shoe to find her marry her and live happily ever after okay so how do we mix some occultism with that what's going on magically (laughs) speaking here okay so how she gets her new threads after the uh ugly sisters ruin her dress that the the rats and the bird is made for her um she gets she gets the dress and a carriage and everything made by Bibbity Bobbity Boo by uh, her uh, fairy godmother. So I think we can start there. Okay. Have you been drinking? I haven't, but I've been waiting a really long time for you to get shit together. Okay. So uh, right. Okay. So so basically, we've got a transfiguration turning pumpkins into carriages. Yes. 
We've got animals into coachmen. Animals into coachmen. We've also got at one point her. Um, she asks her father for a gift. The first, basically, twig or branch that falls on his head. Your t- so yeah, that's that, the so one the of the original one. stories. Is that not in the Disney but, version? It's not in the Disney version. Oh. That that is from I believe was it Charles. Perot's version. Oh, well, that's a bit crap. Because I had a whole thing about taking twigs and then growing plants with them in the garden, working with plants in the garden and raising things magically yeah. and mandrakes and all that. And we can't put that in there because it's not in the Disney version. Well, we can. Version. We can. Well, I basically because just said that's, it all. <laughs> that's the original version. So one of the original versions. So the Charles Perot version is when Daddy's still alive. He isn't dead. He just isn't interested. He just isn't interested because he's got a new woman and she's got new kids. Um, so with that one, they obviously ask him for pretty dresses and she asks him for um, the first the first branch or twig that falls on his head on his way home. Why does she ask that? Well, because she's clearly a witch. That's oh, why. I see. Right. I, I reckon she's clearly a witch in that version. There is no uh, no ifs or buts about it, because she then plants she plants the tree the the branch and it grows. Yeah. So obviously, if it was a twig, that wouldn't happen. And the tree is loyal to her. The plant spirit yes. within the tree is loyal to her. Because she waters it with her tears. Yes. Do you, wa- do you water your plants with your tears, or do you use other I don't cry. tears? Do you use other people's tears? Do um, you just grab no. the neighbour's kid and, and bring him out? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the sort of thing a witch would do, isn't it? In it would. I'm not that much of a monster, although you try to portray me as one. I don't need to. I just need to not say anything and you do it to yourself most of the time. <laughs> particularly particularly after the watershed on the Patreon only version of this podcast. He goes a bit kind of the power goes to his head and, and he comes out with all sorts bit of feral. Things. Yeah, exactly. Bit feral. No, so that's not in the Disney version. However, it is an interesting part of the transformation because obviously that includes the slightly more grim versions where they um the birds that roost in the are loyal to her, oh. so then she gets familiars and shit. Oh, but are they familiars? Because I, I watched this certain live video you did for the Witchcraft <laughs> Live group, and you said a person's cat or animal isn't actually their familiar. No, but this isn't. You don't know if these are actual birds, do we? Well, no, they're not. Because they're cartoons. She... <laughs> she plants the tree and then the birds come you don't know if those birds might not be whereas in the disney version they clearly are birds they belong to the household <laughs> they are pets of the slightly more feral variety okay so where, where are we going to anyway. start with this then transfiguration so, transfiguration is a good place to start okay so c- converting Pumpkins into carriages. How would you go about that, Liam? How would I go about converting a pumpkin into a carriage? Yeah. Well, nowadays, the modern carriage isn't so much a kind of horse-drawn thing. It's probably something like a Bugatti Veyron. 
Yeah, exactly. So, would you rather convert a pumpkin into a Bugatti Veyron, or are you thinking that the tax and insurance on that would be too much? <laughs> so are we just going to go for like a, a standard Ferrari? Yeah. The common person's car, the Ferrari. Go on. I don't know how you work that shape, to be honest, myself. Well, you carve it. It's pumpkin carving, isn't it? Have you never done Halloween? Yeah, but, but you wouldn't thing. end up... There's this thing we do in the UK <laughs> called Halloween. And we we stole the idea from the Americans who stole it from the Irish with turnips. So we basically carve pumpkins. In fact, there's... I don't know if you're that drunk to rem, not to remember that you carved a pumpkin on Christmas and you can actually see Chris chatting away, carving a pumpkin on the Thoth TV YouTube channel. It got a lot of hits, actually, considering. And you were just <laughs> no, nattering away point is, but... My point is, symmetry is there, sympathetic magic kind of going on when you look at the pumpkin and the carriage. The carriage looks like the pumpkin. Yeah. How... How are you doing a pumpkin to a Ferrari? Please explain. Okay, I will explain. Are we squashing? No, are I, we squashing I, the pumpkin? I, I will explain. I will explain, okay? <laughs> There's this thing called representational magic. And guess what? Not everyone uses it. Not everyone uses <laughs> representational magic. Now, within witchcraft... <laughs> A lot of people use sympathetic um, representational magic. Some people just work energetically, and then other people just utilize other things. So, for example, I may not be using the transfiguration method because technically within Cinderella is actual transfiguration from one thing to the next. Like in Harry Potter, when... Um, is it McGonagall turns someone into a rat or something? I forget. Something like that happens, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, it's birds. It's birds into water goblets. Which don't someone get turned into a rat? No, he right he tries to do it on his rat. Oh right, okay, that was it. The rat gets turned into. And then a it's a water goblet yeah, okay. with a with a rat tail on it. Oh, see, yeah, I forgot that. I thought someone got turned into a rat. No, Malfoy gets no. turned into something, doesn't he? He gets turned into a ferret. Oh, I've just had a psychic inkling come in then. I, I feel like Lady Poison's saying, shut the f*** up and get on with what you're talking about. Because <laughs> I know she <laughs> listens. <laughs> I just had it come through strong then. Well, you're the one, you're the one that felt oh. the need to turn... And to turn a pumpkin into a Ferrari as opposed to the, what actually is going the, on in the story. But carry on. The force is strong with this one. Well, I'm just saying that you don't want a carriage, do you? Nowadays, you're not going to want a carriage. Not so unless you're burying someone. Nowadays, people seem to want Ferraris. So I wouldn't be able to use a pumpkin for a transfigura transfigurational magic. Otherwise, it would be a pumpkin-shaped Ferrari. Um, so what I would probably do is utilise a jar spell with the pumpkin, and instead of using a jar, use a pumpkin for my contents. And much like we like to do with some of your clients, I'm particularly thinking about the one that made a bomb and put in your garden that year. <laughs> if we put loads of uh, magic in that, created a, a bomb-type spell, they're single-use, unfortunately, and done some manifestation magic. Because you know it's the all about the pumpkin intention. pumpkin would explode, it's all about and out the, the inside would come a Ferrari. Is that what we're saying? 
Well, I'm not sure if the Ferrari would come from the inside. I'm thinking I would have to sue you and then <laughs> buy the Ferrari with the money I get. <laughs> I mean, there's magic in there somewhere. So, you, but then you've done a you've done a money spell rather than rather than a transfiguration. Hey, I'm not impressed. Whatever I I'm yeah I'm not I'm not really one for transfiguration. If I'm honest <laughs> with you, it's not something that really intrigues me all that much. I've never been interested in transfiguration. I certainly don't okay. like teaching it. Okay. Well, next on the list then, guardian angels or fairy godmothers. How do you feel about them? Well, I'm not entirely sure if I'm honest with you that guardian angels are an actual thing. Are they a type of angel <laughs> or are they just basically, you know, spirit guides that people think, well, I need to think of a fluffy name to call that spirit guide that looks out for me. Oh, I'll call it a guardian angel because I'm raised in a Christian kind of a Western civilization. So we just liken good things to angels. Like that Earth Angels. Remember when we talked about that? <laughs> we don't need to go there again. No, because we promised that this was going to be a serious one. Okay, okay. A serious one. I'm really struggling, but I will try. Um, so, so where are we going with this? So, Guardian Angels or Fairy Godmothers. So I can kind of answer... I'm kind of happy with the the suggestion that obviously they are... Um, imagine your friends or spirit guides I'm I'm cool with that I'm just wondering if you would have pushed it towards the kind of slightly more sinister fae side of it of calling upon um, guard, uh, guardian spirits who well, the, would the idea of, influence men the and women the idea of the fairy godmother is kind of like this little old lady that looks after you down the street so when daddy hits mummy and you wake up in the middle of the night to hear her screaming, you're going to run to the neighbour's house and the neighbour that looks after you and says, there, there, that's your fairy godmother. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking of little dowels. <laughs> that's oh the place near where I used to live. <laughs> I mean, the, people used to call I'm really her, sorry, people everybody. used to call her the fairy godmother because she used to look after everyone. I mean, it was a rough council estate, but she used to look after everyone when she was lovely old lady. She couldn't have kids of her own, so she used to look after everyone else's children. Sweet old lady. She's still alive as well, actually. But I think of a fairy godmother not as in Faye now. I think of fairy godmother as in an older person. I kind of think of fairy godmother as cunning, wise woman. That's how I okay, kind of think that's of Okay, that's an interesting approach. As a corporeal being, there's someone okay. that's got the magic that just weaves in and out of your kind of destiny and time. Like we do occasionally with people. We know something that's going on. We know we need to intervene in a situation. We just turn up randomly. The person's like, what the heck's going on here? You give them a and then give them a Ferrari. You give them a load of advice and then you leave. And then they're like, did okay. that happen? Are they real? And then they bump into us in the future at some psychic friend. They say, well, you are actually a person. I thought I imagined you when I was sobbing away on that park bench that time. <laughs> I quite I quite like that concept. OK, you saved yourself. We'll let you, we'll let you off for the indiscretions well, earlier. Good, I got some amazing things about glass slippers. Oh, OK. 
We'll get to those in a moment. Different variations of the story include different forms. It always seems to be a shoe. Some of them get a bit more grim, um, as in grim fairy tales. See what I did there? I see what um, you did. That's very clever. Um, with those ones, obviously, they're a lot more sinister and grim. So they cut the parts of their feet off in order yeah. to try and fit in the shoes. I like those. But that's closer to the Chinese version of it, isn't it? Ooh. Where they're actually talking about foot binding. Well, they still do um, that. I think that's America, where that comes from. I think they still do I think do in it. some some parts of the culture yeah. still do. It's heavily frowned upon, though. Yeah, but a lot um, of things are. Ghost weddings are frowned upon. It still happens. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so the, the, the shoe... I kind of get, in that moment, I quite like their miss, their switch to the glass version as being a bit more of a unique one to kind of deal with the fact that, come on, surely not many people have that many weirdest shaped shoes, feet rather, and like being able to see through the glass mm. in order to see it fits properly. I get that. So I can see why they stuck with that version. What have you got cool things to say about glass slippers then? Well, I was thinking the the idea, there was two things. One, I was thinking about stealing someone's weights and measures in secret societies. Ooh, but that's more okay. of a Patreon-only thing, I think. We'll um, come back to that. And then the transparency that you basically picked up on, that originally I think the shoes were like silk or um, fur and that kind of thing. Yeah. But the fact that few gold ones. you can actually see through it to see whether it actually does fit. And also... I think the test, because it's a test at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that you either pass the test easily or you break it and you break the slipper or the glass shoe, because glass is quite fragile, really. And it does, yeah. it's not flexible like, you know, a typical shoe. You can kind of squeeze your feet into it and hunch them up, yeah. whereas the transparency there is, is a pure test, almost like a perfect yeah. test. The idea of the weights and measures is that um, a lot of the time covens and secret societies and that will take a person's weights and measures, much like you think about stealing biologicals and blood and that kind of thing. Yep. Upon initiation, a lot of people will take um, biologicals, but also measurements from the body. They could be specific measurements from, say, height, weight, that kind of thing, but it generally is considered to be weights and measures. Because everyone is basically unique. So mixing together your weights and your measures is a, basically a link to you specifically. Very often it's utilised with contracts. So if you agree for initiation on something, you would offer up your weights and measures. They would be taken and it would be kind of like a binding initiation. Okay. The only reason I mention that is because of the fact that the whole shoe slipper thing is transparent. And it's essentially... A unit of weight and measurement is the perfect foot going in there. And yeah. the fact that you can't really cheat on it either. No. But no, I like that. My mind works in I mysterious like ways. Well, you are a strange one. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, slippers, glass. I, like I said, I kind of got, I quite like the, um, the transparency factor of that it kind of makes total sense another thing the, um, sorry no go on i was gonna say another thing um you uh basically reminded me of 
when earlier we were talking about obviously creating the new candles, the glass candles, the deity candles and yeah. stuff like that. And you were saying about obviously, you know, are we going to use tin or are we going to use glass jars and about glass being kind of neutral. And I'm thinking yeah. in terms of the judge is the slipper and the slipper okay. must remain neutral. And then I you're like kind that. of thinking the, you know, weighing of the heart and all that kind of thing in the Egyptian yeah. mysteries. Um, the the person who's the judge should remain completely neutral. And I find glass quite neutral and transparent. Perfect justice. Yeah. I like to involve glass with justice. Because justice can be very fragile as well, actually. <laughs> or if you, if you, if you go, if you tip it one way or another, it shatters, essentially. <laughs> so people think of justice and justice like spirits as like all oh, this this thing that's going to come down on you um and mess you up when actually pure justice is i i don't know i'd say pure justice is one Clarity. of those things that you have to be very very careful with and i think a slight slightly unjust is it spoils and breaks yeah no, I get it. Glass would be smoky or dark, mm. but then mean bad. We like. I like it. I like it a lot. The um, the other big one I find in there, the big the big kind of theme in there is timings. Yes. So for that, it's kind of what's odd. I think is obviously some of the, a lot of the other versions, the party or the you know is a festival, or um rather than like a one night thing so she actually repeats the process in some of them um and one of them like she wears better and better dresses each time to convince the um the prince to fall in love with her um and then obviously some some it's a case of she manages to get away on time the first time then she's later that's how she loses the shoe um and that kind of time of how, timing magical timing i guess is the one that kind of interests me but then weirdly the version with the, the the chinese version of that there's no mention of time at all like there's no deadline or anything like that well, that's very in that version. they've always got deadlines yeah hmm. so there's no dead uh, there's no deadline in that story but then most of the others have this time and i think all the modern versions like post disney all have this kind of magical midnight yeah clock strikes 12 you know spell is broken kind of even in the f stories that aren't actually cinderella stories that have that kind of flavor of you know at the stroke of midnight you'll be ugly again like you know what i mean like um weak magic that doesn't last very long yeah and which makes but which I, makes me I wonder whether it's a cultural thing because if you think about the festivals like you said pagan festivals or ancient festivals would have lasted a long time you know yeah. you'd get it for a month or so a big lead up to something in the it would have lasted over several days and nights halloween these days is a day you know whereas yeah. back then it would have been a whole big festival thing but then you've also got the running out of time it comes in you know in a huge way within the Abrahamic religions and Christianity particularly, I see a lot of time, yeah. a lot of your, you have a finite time, this is the time you have until this 
to end it. You also have the idea of, well, actually, you're interfering with the greater universe, the greater good, the greater power. Therefore, you can only push the flow of water when you're making that little dam on the beach, if you ever did that as you were a kid. Eventually, you know, you might be able to hold it back for a little bit, but yeah. you can't forever. Yeah. No, I like, but I like that kind of aspect of magical timing that's in it. Um, but also makes me wonder about, uh, again, like you said, the the power running out. That kind of, why is it so temporary? Well, it depends on the to make approach. A, it, makes, it needs to make a killer impression real quick because she's only got so long before she's going to look the same as she did before. It's not in like a glamour way. Um, you don't get that kind of impression. It's kind of a, it's you know a big work, so therefore it needs lots of power, and then the power is going to burn out quick. Yeah, I think it's using magical power to um, change something that's not supposed to be changed, and yeah. the, a lot of the time with the sorts of. I wouldn't necessarily say Disney, but a lot of the time people think of the magical ingredients and the power there. There's a there's a battery, and that actually all the battery is doing is keeping that running, kind of like a battery yeah. light, a torch. Yeah. Well, the battery when the battery runs out, the light goes off and it just goes back to darkness. Whereas I kind of think of it in terms of a more advanced work as about causing permanent change. Yeah. So, and I wonder whether that's just in more ancient forms of magic, or the difference between more ancient practitioners is it bringing about changes and working with greater timings as opposed to lesser timings? Because I mean, look at back at ancient astrology and ancient things. You're talking about big cycles, and they're interested in big yeah. cycles. Nowadays, everyone's just interested in their little lives, little cycles within their short lives you know it's all about astrology tell me my birth chart tell me all about my week yeah I want my seven day reading it's not really that's yeah, why yeah. everyone keeps missing all these big things like coronavirus and that because no one pays attention to the slightly bigger no. stuff they're no longer looking at that it's anybody can have a, a tarot app now or whatever or an astrology app so therefore it's been generalized hasn't it for the for popular consumption yeah whereas before you'd have you know only kings and um important folk would have their own astrologer that would you know consult the auguries or or whatever in order to um answer those things i just had another thought i don't know if i'm going too left field with this one but um what about the temporary change to attract the bigger change so law of attraction of in that moment she's um looking like what she would do if she was a princess in order okay. to force the attraction of the tress do you, do you reckon that there's a am i going too off on that one or is that a possibility I of i think you're talking about multi multiversal theory and mirror magic and that <laughs> kind of thing aren't you more than likely it's kind of a bit like but I, just kind of like I think from the story's perspective, she did never intended to marry the prince. She just wanted to go to the no. party and feel yeah. like one of the rest of, you know, feel normal almost. Um, and she was given that opportunity that she wouldn't have normally be given through the use of magic. I wonder how many listeners get opportunities in life 
that they feel that they should get, but only get them when they use magic to meddle with things. And yeah, whether would you know. consider that to be actually meddling? Because I wouldn't. It's just that no. people don't have the power, and most people don't have the power to do that. But if you do have the power, I don't consider it meddling. Because I hear a lot about this kind of, well, if you're using your magic and... Back in the day, early Wiccan stuff, oh, well, I wouldn't, Gerald Gardner says, oh, I would never use magic for mundane things like to bring money in and all that kind of thing. And it's like, well, why not? Why not? It kind of defeats the point. Otherwise, what's the point? It's just, and it also, I think, cheapens it. To say that magic is innately part of the human existence and a part of you, to deny your abilities there... It could kind of yeah. put magic on a pedestal of, well, this isn't really for you. You're lucky to have this. And we don't yeah. view magic like that. No. Do you know that? What? It's you almost never... out of time. We've got like a minute left. Wow. Um, so, yeah. what? Anything you want to kind of hit before it goes over the to the Patreon? I haven't watched Cinderella for a long, long time, but I did read the synopsis. There's things. <laughs> Um, I don't know, really. I mean, there's the kind of the idea of the magic being used in Cinderella and a lot of Disney is supporting the underdog. And when yeah. you think of witchcraft and the origins of witchcraft and that, and it is really like a poor person's magic, isn't it? It's yeah, Witchcraft it is. is the the people's magic. Something spectacular happening to somebody that doesn't matter. Yeah. I suppose. I was just thinking of it in terms of the everyday people use magic and the all the courts and kings and queens and that. They have their ceremonial magicians and stuff. But I think we are out of time. So goodbye, everyone. But obviously, if you're with the Patreon, you can still hear me. So what are we going to talk <laughs> about now? Now we've gotten rid of the others. <laughs> Is there anything else that we can talk about? Or are you going to go off on really <laughs> weird tangents now? More than likely, but I kind of want to push uh, uh, the kind of last idea you're on about just, um, and all of a sudden it slips my mind. Witchcraft for Where poor go? people. I think that's what I essentially said. <laughs> yeah, um, but essentially that kind of that kind of moral compass part of it that I re- that kind of. And I suppose, in, to a certain extent, the elitism of it that we get accused of all the time. But I just... Yeah, but we only get accused of that mainly by other elitist witches. And, yes, and I, I don't suppose. think it's seen as a good, a, a bad thing. I think it's seen as, <laughs> you're elitist like I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I there think is a, there, there is a, a difference fact, between there is a bit being called elitist by certain people in Facebook groups as to say, well, you're a know-it-all, essentially. That's the magical equivalent of saying you're a know-it-all. And someone saying you're elitist as in, ha, you're practising on my level. <laughs> well done. Yeah. No, that is interesting, actually. No, you're very, very right there. It is either one or the other, isn't it? You get a lot of the... Um, on the groups that will not be named. You get accused um, of being of a super these, witch, don't you? Being a super witch in order because you don't want to explain why it doesn't matter if the bay leaf is <laughs> is dry or, or don't fresh. Don't start on the bay leaf thing, please. 
<laughs> that one's just there for Lady Poison. Um, the uh, there is that kind of, you know, the workhorse part of it. Do you not get that from a lot of uh, these witches that have I've put the hours in, therefore, you know, you should have to put the hours in too. Like I, I don't have any issue with somebody learning quick if they're actually looking. I, I, I don't. I personally, um, I, I don't know if this is something that I would really want to admit to, but I'm going to because we're on the Patreon now. So when I hear people, because you hear about this quite a lot with particularly in the online community, they say, I've been practicing for 20 years or I've been practicing for this year. I don't see yeah. that as a positive thing. Because no. for me, when people talk about something and then they say, oh, I've been talking, I've been doing this for 20 odd years or this and that. The first thought that comes into my mind is it took you 20 years to work that out. To get yeah. there. Yeah. And I wonder whether that's just me that feels like that. No, but that's what I'm kind of trying to say just poorly, which is that, you know, I don't what I have a problem with is being used like a Google search okay. on in a group. Like, that's what bothers me more than anything. It's not that whether or not they're on there to learn. I'm all for that. Like, they should be learning as much as they possibly can. And you get in, I get into, I have done in the past, got into these arguments with these, I've been practicing for 40 years kind of people that, um, I just like, oh, in my day, I'm like, but we're not in your day. It doesn't matter. Like the Internet's there now. The problem is um, what I want someone to do is go, well, I've actually been reading all these things. I'm confused by X. Those are the questions I want to answer, not the should it be dry or should it be fresh? Mm. Like, because to me, that's kind of like, OK, well, you've you've missed a point somewhere along the line that says that that matters the, <laughs> that you're in the ideal student you know? says i want to accomplish this i've tried to get yeah. there by doing this 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 do you have any suggestions that's what the ideal student i think says and that's what a lot of the people that i think we work with because they've already attempted to do something or they're completely yeah. out of their depth because they're brand new and they've being pulled in too many directions that they want some kind of stability. Yeah. And those those the those are the sorts of students and the sorts of questions you want to hear on these forums. What I what bothers me is not the fact that um, you know, such and such with twenty years of experience is thinks that they need to work harder for it. It's not about that. It's more the fact of when I'm asked a stupid question and I know we say often there are no stupid questions. There really are. They tend to be the ones that have no thought behind them. That's that's what makes it a stupid question is you've asked a question without thinking about what you're asking. Yeah. And those are what I call the stupid questions. Someone that asks, does it matter if it's is not a case of, well, I've tried it with the dry and I'm not getting the results. Is that why? Like that's a that's a clever question. We've got a question I... that's just come in. Right, there's one that's just popped <laughs> up from Lady Poison. She says, 
are you going to keep bitching or are you going to go back to talking about Cinderella like this podcast yeah. supposed to be about? She's asking <laughs> that from the future. She's a very powerful witch, isn't okay. she? If she's going back in time to influence the future, this is like some kind okay. of strange Marvel Universe film. Okay. So what? What? how can we take this back to Cinderella? Because she just goes with the flow, doesn't she? Cinderella. <laughs> Does she? Well, I'm pretty sure she just goes with it, doesn't she? She's not there going, am I doing it right? Should I be using this pumpkin or that pumpkin? She's, <laughs> you know, they just go with it. <laughs> Overthinking. She doesn't overthink this. None of these Disney characters overthink it, really, do they? They just go with it. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, I need yeah, the pumpkin, that so. makes sense. Just, oh, it's all magic, that's it. When did things start becoming, oh, that does, I don't see how you use this and this, or do I need to use that, or, you know, the specifics. And when yeah. was it, like, there was a time back in the day when it was like, well, of course it'll work because it's magic, and magic doesn't have to have any rules, you know, when you're, yeah. when you're younger... And then every we watch all yeah. these films and you're like, well, it makes perfect sense. It's magic. And then as you get older, well, all of these older people you yeah. teach, that's the difference between teaching a yeah. young person, like a really young kid and an older person. The young kid's yeah. like, yeah, okay, I just accept that. An older person's like, wah, yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, those those toilet rolls are totally a spaceship. Let's go in the spaceship. Yeah. Like, and, that, and I suppose it is. There is that scene in... In the dis in with Bibbity Bobbity Boo, where she's just kind of like, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? Oh, I need coachman. And then all of a sudden, just kind of, okay, um, you mice, you'll do. <laughs> like there is, there is that kind of country witch kind of going on. That kind of cunning folk kind of. Well, what have I got to hand? Um, okay, well, I don't normally use Eye of Newt, but I'll use it this time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But no, I so, get it. So within hypnosis, there is the idea <laughs> that you can't hypnotise someone to do something that they wouldn't already, they wouldn't normally do. So you can't hypnotise a nice person to go and murder someone unless you're using some kind of MK Ultra LSD method. But excluding <laughs> that, general hypnosis, okay, you can't do that. When it comes to working with, because I'm thinking about the older versions of Cinderella now, when it comes to working with animals and spirits and stuff like that, obviously the animals yep. peck out the eyes of the sisters in the end of yeah. one of the stories or one of the versions of the stories. Now, when it comes to getting your familiars or animal spirits or the spirits in general, a lot of people will yep. work on the barter system particularly in the witch yes. community. But how loyal do you think familiars and that will actually be? Do you think that it's a, um, an intelligence thing? Do you think it's a, well, I don't have that much, I'm just built to serve kind of thing? Or do you think I'm willing to okay. put this aside because you're my master and I do what you say? Or is it a case of I've only aligned with you because I know at the core of your being we are kin? Because there's Ooh, the thing about that, animals that, come up in Cinderella. That's, yeah, that's slowly got a little bit deeper than I was expecting you well, to go there. That's what they expect on the Patreon, don't they? Just trying to give them I, what they're paying yeah, for. Yeah, but... <laughs> so, yeah, uh, 
I suppose it depends. It really depends. Because to me, if you've got a, a kind of a spirit animal arrangement or a familiar arrangement, there is a give and take there already naturally in that approach. Um, in the same way that I am in my little rant on uh, Witchcraft Live the other day when I was talking about animal vessels, there was that, you know, you need to look after mm, it as yeah. a as a serving animal or a, or as a domesticated pet at the same time that you're also using it for when you have to use it is that there is an established relationship yeah. like the question then goes as far as kind of saying well actually what about when it comes to a deity work um like in the approach that we use compared to the approach that um others might use that is very kind of devotionary we don't operate in that way yeah but we see deities for what they are though when people don't necessarily have the eyes to do that i suppose but it kind of follows the same kind of grounds of you know is it all give and take uh, an arrangement alliances or is it actually um you know agreed contract or it really depends on the deity, I guess. But with familiar all and the animal spirits, I think there's just a, um, a a kinship, I guess, an arrangement of, well, this is more fun to hang around with you than it is to go and hang around with those birds. Yeah. Well, you think of like um, witches as cult leaders. You've got cult leaders always have their followers in sycophants i'm just wondering whether witches just go about their magical career <laughs> collecting spirits that are just like become kind of sycophants and do whatever they're told just because they're in all I of the ways maybe that's just the maybe. ones i work with i don't know <laughs> but what about <laughs> but what about the kind of kinship part of it of there's a greater understanding and that therefore you have a kinship on the basis of your understanding that both being magical that sort of thing well i think normally with in terms of my personal work so again in terms of personal work really i don't really rely or use spirit guides at all i'll work with no same I'll work with anything that has an aligned agenda with mine so if i'm wanting to do something i will find something that also wants that thing to happen and we'll work together most of the time i'd end up working with myself to be honest <laughs> yeah um, but i i don't know i don't know if there's a, a a reason why i would want to get a familiar and work with familiars in the way that traditional witches kind of do is something that i'm no. not i don't have a lot of that in my current practice no see i guess i i tend to i suppose out of ease rely on a lot of established long established arrangements i guess within cinderella obviously the animals and that are lord her because of her kindness that she offers obviously shows to them she's already offered them yeah, yeah so they know there's the level of trust there but what about yeah. the love at first sight as you've got the ideas of love at first sight that people do when it comes to romance and that but what about the love at first sight with spirit guides and familiars and that kind of thing is it that kind of an approach do you think there's just uh, as soon as you happen across each other as an instant 
connection like it. and is that because of the yeah. people whether the familiar itself or whether the witch just doesn't understand the connection like how many people Maybe. talk about these Maybe. soul um twin flames and bloody soulmates and all that oh kind of yeah thing. yeah and that kind of actually that there's an established kinship before you've actually met and that you just realized that it exists yeah no, I, I, I get that. I get that. Because pretty much all of the familiars um, I'm aware that you work with are always linked to past lives anyway. So it, it's like some kind yeah, of... Yeah, they're established. ...established or contract kind of thing. So it's an established relationship. It's kind of like, um, oh, I'm going to a gig. Oh, who's that in the reception? Oh, it's someone I used to work with. Oh, yeah. I'll hang around with them. Yeah. While it suits and then yeah. move on later. Yeah, I suppose in my personal practice, that's what I mean. Like, I don't think I'm trying to think of any new connections that I feel like I make as opposed to re-establishing old ones. I don't find the new connection stick because it's normally because of a client. So it's kind of like I've not yeah. really, it's like, oh, yeah, OK, you're cool. But I don't really. You're not the crowd I normally hang yeah. out with. No, definitely. Yeah, because we just adapt to the patient or client at the time. And then when that works over, that connection's not really required because it doesn't fit within the work that we would do personally. No, but it's always perfectly aligned with um, what the accomplishment's supposed to be. So what the client's trying to accomplish and then the deity yeah. or the deity or spirit wants. So that's the basis of most relationships we'd have. It's a case of facilitating, facilitating an assigned, um, basically similar purposes in that. But at the same time, no, technically, I don't know. Sometimes it's difficult to draw the line, I think, over who's the client. Is it the physical person or is it the deity? Because it's <laughs> yeah. not always the physical person that pays the bill, let's be fair. No, no. Often that facilitating is actually for the the long-term arrangement that they'll gain out of it, as opposed to the shorthand helping the client. And... It's no, who no. approaches you as well. Normally, it's the case of yeah. you work for the person that pays, but a lot of people don't pay till the end, so it can be difficult to work out who no. you're actually working for. But the person that rings the yeah. doorbell isn't necessarily the, the corporeal human. It might be other things that say, <laughs> okay, I'm sending someone over. We've had that happen, Yeah. in which case, who's the client yeah. there? But again, that's going away from Cinderella, Ella, Ella. Ella, Ella. Sorry. So, yeah, back over. Was there anything deeper you wanted to say that you couldn't say in the first half about other things? So what did we cover before? Trans, transfiguration, uh, glass slippers. I struggle with transfiguration because it's one of those things that I always feel obliged to play by the rules when in Rome. Yeah. When in Rome. So I always feel like if you're going to go too far against the the natural stream i feel like although it's possible and i don't necessarily have a problem with it it that's what challenges me ethically the most 
yeah, you're forcing something to be in a shape that it shouldn't be in when there are easier options to go yeah. with. Um, and plus, those sorts of changes require more power. And for me, it's always kind of like, oh, to be that's far more effort. <laughs> That's more, far more effort than I'm willing to put in. Um, but again, logically, normally that's because it's for a client. If it was for myself, my own amusement, maybe I'd make, I'd be willing to do that. Um, because it's not necessary for the work. So therefore, why would you go against? It's always easier to move in the flow of, of that. No, I must say, I don't do a massive amount of tra transfiguration myself. It's mostly kind of glamour work, which is not transfiguration at all. No, transfiguration is more cosmetic surgery, whereas... Yeah. You're talking about makeup. Makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but the question is, what would you ca count as which... Because, to a certain extent, the the dress, um, the pump, you know, the pumpkins slightly different. The pumpkins that is transfiguration. They've changed the pumpkin into the the carriage, the the horses into the horsemen, like etc. Um, Deals with the time, but with the, the time, makeup washes off, whereas cosmetic surgery is permanent, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. So what you're really talking about is you're talking about something that wears off, like that. Is it Rizlin or something like that? They inject in your face. It's kind of like it absorbs back <laughs> into your bloodstream. So it's like this is a temporary, it's a <laughs> physical change, but a temporary one. That's how I kind of feel about transfiguration. It's, it's a physical change. You're doing all the effort of creating physical change, but for a temporary basis. So you might as well just utilize something that's easier, like you said. So I just put some fucking makeup on it. Yeah, and like I said, the dress could quite easily just be a glamour. Like the way in which it happens returns to its original form at the end. You could have just as easily done that with a glamour and she'd walk around in a rags. But then also you have the idea of plant... Pl you could say plant allies and spirit allies and animism in that you're borrowing something else's power. So when you think yeah. of the idea of utilising certain ingredients and then asking the spirit to take on a burden to a certain extent or take yeah. the strain of something to get a work done... And if you're talking about some deities and stuff, you're often talking about it. Maybe, obviously, they might have the quote-unquote juice to hold it for longer. But some, yeah. it would be, can you help me take the edge off of this or that? So it depends on how you work. Because, again, people talk about plant allies, particularly because of all this horrible magic and whatever they're calling themselves nowadays, green witches and that. But... In yeah. terms of how the relationship works with that, it's probably, you know, it's a bit blasé, much like the Disney versions and Cinderella. It's like, oh, well, this comes along and it helps me. It's kind of like, okay, so how does how does that help you? And what's the relationship? What the relationship what's the reciprocal? The reciprocity. Rep I can't say that word today. 
because maybe the reason the pumpkin chains back is because the pumpkin doesn't have enough pumpkin juice in it to keep yeah. that going. Well, in the, in the in the actual show, it kind of fades yeah. out and then it's smashed by the running um, as it's going through, and you're kind of like, oh, that won't be a carriage again. Where it does physically look burnt out. Yeah. So, and obviously, I'm adding. I'm adding layers that aren't in, in existence in the actual, obviously, that's what we're doing. But um, there is that kind of moment of, actually, pumpkin, it ain't going to be any use anymore. It's a sacrifice. That kind of, it's burnt out. It's the idea of a lot of things. Yeah. If you think of, if you think of um, using uh, ingredients, so take the ingredients where you've talked about the bay leaf. Well, the bay leaf is a part of that that spirit essentially off that tree now you're not killing the whole tree but you're taking a part of its body and its energy to utilize yep. yourself and also you might be utilizing a connection using it as a connection to the bigger tree and you know the greater spirit as well yeah. or whatever but then you've also got the idea of the sacrifice of i'm digging up and killing a root to utilize yeah. this so it's a case of like i go back to the kind of the how much of the spell work that you're using is your energy how much of it is it borrowed from something else how much of it is stolen from something else and then yeah. you get the ethics involved which is oh well you shouldn't be taking that stick for your staff from the tree because it's alive you need to find a dead stick and then people yeah. just leave that it's the kind of online social modern witchcraft kind of super lefty love nature don't harm nature kind of thing you've got the ideas of well nothing gets discussed from that why is it inappropriate for one person to take one small branch from a tree if the tree is going to be fine exactly is it the concept that you don't like about snapping that off of a it is thing? It is, isn't it? It's the, it's the kind of vegan-esque kind of feel of must not be hurting anything. But at the end of the day, this is what we do. We grow vegetables. We eat the vegetable. We take, we absorb the life force of the vegetable. Uh, the same with animals that we kill. You know, you are taking the life force of another animal. So why do you have no, you have problems with that, but you don't have problem a problem with taking that of the dead so you know you have that petroleum uh, products are vegan because you know but it died <laughs> may have died of quote-unquote natural causes and by that we mean you know mass extinction potentially but the that death and that life force has still gone into that thing to create the energy force that you are using in order for it to power your power your car mm. or um or as a product so i to me i don't see the difference other than there's a longer span since it died i'm wondering if it's also a cultural thing as well like we said a cultural and um a psychological thing in that you're talking about morality there and you're talking about what well, the only thing to yeah. keep morality upheld is to create a rule or a law and of course, there's always exceptions to the rules or laws, and that those are the sort of people yeah. that say, "Well, if everyone broke branches off of the tree, then we wouldn't have any trees, would yeah. we?" It's kind of like, well, someone that puts—I've seen this happen. 
someone puts a cigarette behind and chucks it on the floor. Well, one person does yeah. it and then everyone starts doing it and then there's loads of cigarette butts over the floor and then that does become a problem. But yeah. I do wonder but, with you which but the problem and practitioners <laughs> yeah. that really you should not be relying on laws and rules, which is one of the reasons why I don't like a lot of these systems of magic where they're, they don't teach you to think for yourself and the consequences. It's a case of, well, if you follow this rule yeah. and you do it this way and use this ritual, it'll all be fine. You get this. A plus B equals C. Yeah. But why? But why? Yeah, whereas for me it's a case of, okay, well, yes, I planted the tree, therefore the tree is mine. <laughs> so therefore, if I'm then going to take from the tree, I've got not got to worry about the morals of everybody else because I planted the tree. It's my tree. Whereas I think the, the morality comes in when it comes to taking from the wild, isn't it? I think that's the well, issue. Because no, if you give birth to a child and you've made the child or you've made part of the child, then does that mean that you have the right to kill that child? And if you're right. an animist and you believe that there's a spirit in that tree, do you have the right to take that tree? I think it goes back to what I always say, and that's power. If you have the power <laughs> to do it, and you have yeah. the power to stop anyone from interfering and reprimanding you, it's all about power. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You are correct. It's just, yeah. But then equally, that's why I don't have children. Because you're too tempted to sacrifice because them. Occasionally. Okay. Needs, needs are required. Do I finish the work that I needed to finish? Or do I keep putting up with the child? Okay, let's, let's use the child. <laughs> I think he's joking, by the way, listeners, but you can never quite tell, can you? <laughs> Uh, I joke, I joke. Half, always half with me. So, so within remind me within Cinderella, is it the is it the fairy godmother that does the magic? Is it Cinderella that does the magic? Because I remember there's an old rhyme in there that goes with the old Cinderella, something to do with silver, and she says loads of stuff, and then magic happens. So, how much of it is the fairy godmother doing the work compared to Cinderella in the Disney? In the Disney version, it is the fairy godmother does it all for her. Okay. The older versions, like I say, when she plant when she plants the tree, that version, which I think is the Perot version, um, the Charles Perot version. But the there is that aspect of when she plants the tree, she then the tree grows, it becomes the home for the birds, and then she she summons essentially the birds to bring her the items of clothing for the three nights of partying right. and each time they make her a different dress so it's, it's like old traditional witchcraft you do the work versus modern yeah. wicker where you just call something and it does it all for you and then you exactly say thank that. you here's your star child candle and here's your cone incense yeah. as a reward yeah exactly which is always my issue with it offerings is the offer, is the payment the right kind of payment? You know, putting plastic ribbons on trees that are going to grow and slowly strangle, be strangled by the plastic ribbon. You know, like, 
but we won't go too far down that. We don't have well, time. I would format it basically as a sacrifice at the beginning and a payment afterwards. So it's kind of like that. I'll pay half now and half later. The sacrifice is basically what you're willing to put in to show you're serious. And the cherry on the top is basically the kind of offering at the end. Um, but there we go. I think we are out of time for this edition of the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And as ever, please stay in touch.